I'm Celine Williams, and welcome to the Leading Through Crisis podcast, a conversation series exploring resiliency and leadership in challenging times. Hi, and welcome. My guest today is Kasturi Thiru, who is an who is a technology executive and an expert in building high-performing teams. She is passionate about women in leadership and is committed to paying it forward in everything she does. Kasturi, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's absolutely a pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you today. And and as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I always start with the big, broad question to kind of level set, which is when you hear the concept or the title of this podcast, which is Leading Through Crisis, what comes to mind for you? What comes up for you? What's your relationship with that idea in general? Mm-hmm. Um, I have led through uh, many crises, uh, maybe not the COVID time, but prior to that. Um, what comes to mind first is empathy. I think it is critical uh, when we lead through crisis, especially um, having um, empathy towards the team and the people you manage is critical. Um, I also find that you know having a genuine um, interest in developing others and listening and knowing their problems is important uh, as a leader because it is a two-way street. When you provide that to the team, the team will step up and be able to support you um, in, uh, you know, beyond what you can imagine. Um, and that can only be achieved by a leader who puts empathy uh, in, in, in serving them. So I love that. I'm so happy that you started with empathy. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask a, a question, whether it's from your experience or stories that you've heard. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think that for a lot of people, it can be really hard to be empathetic in crisis because we're so concerned about ourselves or an outcome or to know when it's okay to balance accountability with empathy. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious from either your experience or stories that you've told, how can leaders who are struggling with it or you know, aren't sure how to be empathetic in times of crisis or when they also need to be accountable, what can they, how can they kind of balance those things out? Because I think it's really imperative to high performing teams, which is something that I know you are really an expert in to have both. Yeah. Um, This may sound um, uh, cynical, but I put myself in their shoes, right? When I, when it comes to empathy, how would I like to be treated Mm. um, if I was in that position? And that makes it easy. Um, Along with empathy comes also transparency, right? Um, Especially during crisis. Um, It is important you don't keep people in the dark. You communicate, you listen. I think that automatically also enhances that empathy factor and makes it easy on the leaders to understand what the team is going through and um, communicate more. And sometimes um, during crisis, we may not have all the information that... uh, uh, to communicate and be transparent, but at least acknowledge the fact that uh, there are uncertainties that you're working through, uh, promise them eventually you would provide clarity, uh, give them information that you can provide uh, to avoid speculations, rumors, be honest and open. I think those, those would lead to um, uh, a transparent leadership as well as uh, people believing in you and being able to trust you. I think that's a, I think that's a really important note that there's a balance between um, that transparency actually enables empathy and vice versa, right? There's a, there's mm-hmm. a balance between the two of them. 
Um, if someone is struggling with knowing when to be transparent or what that line is where it becomes, say, oversharing or mm-hmm. too much information, how can they how can they move how can they work through that? Like what could what advice would you give someone who's like, I'm just not really sure what I can share or what I should share? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I mean, uh, there are there is information that you know gray areas that you may not be able to share everything. But you know, take a step back and think about think hard about what is that you can share. Um, at least you should be able to um, mention the difficult situation you are in, acknowledge the uh, the the fears the team may have, um, uh, the the rumors they may be hearing, right? Uh, you can show a blind side to those things. Um, so it is important that you acknowledge those, understand them, and to the, the best of your ability, provide clarity. Um, there's always a high level that you can provide, I find. Um, you know, step away, give, provide a high level, provide timelines as to, you know, we'll check back again in three weeks and, you know, provide a little more detail to you. I think those type of um, constant communication and assurance, uh, the teams appreciate that a lot. Um, that that also leads into um, so I mean just because we are in crisis doesn't mean the work doesn't get done right um, so there are goals and mandate as along with that that comes and again um, having clearly understanding the goals and the mandate of the organization whether it's a it's a reorg that's happening or, or a merger and acquisition or any changes that's happening find out what the mandate is do you you know you need to believe in the organizational goals in order for you to be able to communicate that back to the team um, uh, well, uh, so that they, you can rally the team around that. So it's important as a leader, I believe, um, to, to be able to do that communication piece. Yeah, I agree. I wanna, I wanna go back to something you said that I wanna come to the back, to, go back and then come back basically. So when you said that, you know, acknowledging the fears that the team has or the or what they're going through, I want to emphasize that because I don't think we talk about that enough. And I think there's a fear that leaders have that if they say the fear that the te- they're seeing on the team or they, that, you know, that elephant in the room, that's mm-hmm. a term that I use because I do exercise about, but if they name it, that it's somehow going to make it real, real. even though it's already real. Right. Yeah. And so I think what you said about acknowledging it is really important because it doesn't, it's already real. Just because we're naming it doesn't make it realer. It just means that now people can actually work through it and talk through it and feel like they're not the only one in that place. Exactly. And it comes out in the open, right? When you put it out in the open, people are more willing to talk about it, uh, discuss, ask questions, right? If um, if the leaders keep ignoring it, but they know it's just happening, they're talking about it, then that becomes a rumor and, you know, the water cooler talks and all that. Um, I think it is important to be, that's part of the transparency too, right? Um, you're hearing these things and you can, you can uh, to me, um, you don't, it doesn't have to come from you. You can mention, you can ask the question, what, what, what is that we want to discuss, right? Listen, and then bring it up as their fears and points and, and discuss them in the open. I think that, that allows for um, confidence of the building as well for the, for the teams. Yeah. I I think that's really important. I often tell leaders when I'm working with them and they're going through, there's change or transformation or whatever you want to call it happening in the team, which means there's uncertainty, which means there's fear. 
I often say, I think you're okay. Like what I would do is go in front of the, the group of people or talk to them and say, here's what I would be feeling, or here's what I imagine some of you are feeling mm-hmm. so that it's now okay for them to say, I'm totally feeling that way. Cause they're not, you're not saying, Hey, tell me how you're feeling, which some people can hesitate, but you're saying, here's some of the, here's how I, here's how I would be feeling if I was in your shoes, or here's mm-hmm. how I imagine you're feeling. It then gives them the, the confidence to, that it's okay Talk to speak about up. it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think that we don't talk about it enough. We get so hung up on, um, because it's kind of a it is a gray area and it is a there's that kind of traditional leadership mentality which is you don't talk about it if you don't have to talk about it and you don't want to call that out because then you're going to bring attention to something. Well, that thing's already there. Let's yeah, bring attention exactly. to it. Let's name it. Right. Let's take the power away from it, not give it more power. Exactly. Yes, you said it well. <laughs> uh, so I want to, I, I love your point about like having a clear goal or having a clear mandate and communicating that. And, and I think a lot of, listen, I think a lot of people, it's not only leaders necessarily, but I think a lot of people in general struggle with how do I, how do I know what goal I should be setting? How do I know what that, like, where do I start with that? And I'm curious from your perspective and your experience. Yeah what, where could they start? What does that look like? Is there, I mean, I don't believe that there's a right or a wrong way, but are there better ways to set goals or get that clarity? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about goal, I'm, I'm not sure which side you're coming from, uh, but maybe there's two types of goals, right? Sure. A goal for the organization and goal mm-hmm. for the employee themselves. Mm-hmm. So you need to tackle both. Yep. Um, the organizational goal is important for you to understand and for you to be able to break it down in the simplest, most um, understandable terms and be able to repeat that very often to the team so that everybody is, um, you're rallying the team behind you. As, it's especially important when you don't have a direct line of authority to some of the teams. So the cross-functional team, bringing them together it is important you have that clear mandate and the goal for the entire team so that we can all rally um, towards that goal. Um, and um, again, to your point, each individual may have their goals as well. And it is also important as a leader for you to sit down, listen, understand, and be able to help them know what their goals is or guide them in, in, in their goals yeah. um, and help them along the way. So both, both are, again, important um, for, for the team to succeed and to build a, um, you know, highly performing teams. Well, and I think that I appreciate that. And, and that is a good clarification. I think that that often leaders struggle with. So first of all, I think there's lots of organizations that don't really have a clear vision that they that they really share with their employees. So that's challenge one. And I think a lot of leaders struggle with setting vision and goals for their own teams, right? So it's not even, it's not, it is that translating. If there is something that's higher level for the organization, they struggle with making that applicable for their people. Yeah. And so I appreciate, I appreciate what you shared because I I think that we talk about it being important and we talk about you know, being a visionary leader, whatever version of that you want to say as an important thing, but then people go, I don't know how to like, it's, I don't know what to do with it. Where do I start? What is that? What is that really? 
Yeah. So if you don't know what it is, and if you are not able to digest this, how are we going to get things done, right? We need to know what we need to get done yeah. in order to succeed. So I think uh, that that translation is important. And, um, and to be aligned, um, uh, it is important that you understand. You understand what the organization want to achieve and what are the pieces that you need to contribute in order for that to, to be successful. And, um, and you're, you're bang on. It, it is important for us to be able to understand that and then articulate that so everybody in our team also knows what they're doing. And nobody wants to just do the work just because it needs to get done, right? You need to have a good rationale and a reason uh, yes, they get paid to come in and do the job, but there's more to it than just coming in and getting paid. Uh, everyone would like to be part of a vision, uh, to be part of a goal. Um, that's what motivates people, a lot of the people. And uh, we don't want to miss out on that. Thank you for saying that because I have, I've said so many times in the past year that the business, no one is motivated unless you are the business owner no one is motivated by business outcomes no one none of us are like oh well thank god the, the company made an extra five million dollars this year like that's not the thing that motivates us it is our purpose or our connection our purpose and connection to the company's purpose and connection it's not the it's it's not the 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 outcome or goal that is actually what's motivating it it has to be it's a, what it what's in it for me right like what is exactly. it how is this applying to me and and you need to acknowledge that and work on that as well because if you just work on the company goal and not the individual goal then you lose that um uh, uh, the, uh, that commitment from those employees, right? That's why as a leader, you need to focus equally. So that's what sometimes people um, say that, you know, we would, as leaders, we care about you. We want to develop you. We want to provide, you know, we want to make sure that your goals are met, but then we don't walk the talk. Um, but when you do that, you know, it's you, 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 you're, you as a leader, uh, is not standing out with the team and the team is not going to back you up. So it is important you put a genuine effort um, and genuine interest in developing the people in your team so that they are giving back as well. So to your point, I mean, yeah, nobody just wants to make million dollars for the company. They want, the, there's something in it for them as well. And you better acknowledge that and work on it genuinely along with achieving the, the company goals. Otherwise, it's not one or the other, it's both. Yes, I couldn't have said that better myself. It is not one or the other. It's it's this one and that one. That's right. And we tend to do this one or that one. And that's <laughs> that's I think where we get stuck a lot of times as leaders in organizations. Sure. So, I know that you're very, you know, I mentioned this in your intro. I know that women in leadership is is something that you're very passionate about and very committed to. Um and I'd love to kind of get your lens on where things are at and why this matters so much to you um, and you know what you think maybe the opportunities inside of it are for these days because mm -hmm. everything's always changing yeah yeah uh, well all the statistics um, tell us um, having a diverse work environment is more productive right um, so we do a great job in going out hiring identifying and hiring authentic leaders um, with um, you know, diverse backgrounds. Um, this is also done because to you know, um, get to a, a level where the organization looks good 
in terms of diversity and inclusion. But later I find, uh, later down the road, when we have these leaders, um, we tend to think that authenticity is something that needs uh, fixing. We nurture the characteristics uh, that we know as good leadership and embrace those. Those may be the bold, decisive, uh, decision-making, um, tough, right? Tall, handsome. Those are some of the mind models we have about leaders. And when we, uh, we do a good job of gathering these authentic, diverse leaders, but then we don't um, appreciate them. We don't value the diversity and authenticity they bring to the table. I was lucky enough, the, the organization I was with and the leaders and the mentors I had were very supportive. But I also had some instances where the, the leaders um, you know, tend to think this is how the leader should look like and act like, and I'm not one of them. Um, right, I'm 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 the I'm not the bold and the decisive and the tall and the handsome person in the table. Um, I think it is equally important to embrace um, collaborative uh, leadership, resiliency, empathy. Um, you know, smart problem solving. All those traits are equally important as uh, as uh, the other leadership traits that we are know of. Um, and it is not one or the other. I think both needs to be at the table in order to, for the organization to be productive and to be successful. Um, uh, and I think it's, it, it may be a, a, a unlearning. We, we know so much about what the leadership should look like. And maybe that needs to be a little bit of unlearning to, to, um, uh, to value uh, and embrace uh, those authenticity, authentic leaders uh, that we get. So I love that you lose, you use the term unlearning because I think that's a, the perfect term inside of this because I think what what what's really interesting to me is that this shows up no matter what side of or what type of organization you're running in my experience. So there are organizations where it is the you know, I'm just, I'm going to name it for what it is that are tend to be more traditional where it is the tall, handsome, often older white men who have established the leadership norms in the organization. And they are, you know, a buttoned up suit uh, with casual Fridays maybe, but, you know, quite put together and formal. Their hair is styled a certain way, clean shaven, whatever that, whatever. And then the female version of that right where women are fitting into that mold right. and on the flip side there's also tech companies do this where it is the everyone is really casual no one is you know lots of beards shaggy whatever they show up as shaggy whatever but you know like they're they have their own look and they're looking their their bias is towards leaders who show up like they do mm-hmm. and neither one of these is actually inclusive or diverse because you show up to the the startup and you're in a suit because that's what you're comfortable in or you are in you know a a entirely different time trying to think of other types of clothing something that is not what they're used to or different hairstyle Right. So this this happens. I've heard a lot of stories, unfortunately, of black women in the U.S. in the past year Mm -hmm. where they this these stories have been coming out where they're criticized or they have comments about their hair in certain contexts because it's not what looks like these other people. 
-hmm. And it's rather than saying, this is actually, this is exciting that you're bringing a different, this tells me you have a different background than I do, a different lens on things, a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And that should be embraced and continued to be embraced. It becomes a, this is cool up front, but now I don't know what to do with it now that you're in here. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, I find, I, I speak to a lot of young women and I mentor, I've mentored them. Um, and it's unbelievable um, how many of them feel that leadership, being a leader means you don't have a work-life balance. Being a leader means being there in the office for long hours. And I, I know this, I have experienced this. Um, you know, uh, being a young mother growing through my career, um, uh, I would leave the office in a decent time uh, where my colleagues are still there, right? Working late. Uh, I do have that, you know, guilty conscience when I'm stepping out of the office, but I, 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 I used to always keep up with that because I find it when I disconnect from the office at a decent time and uh, return back um, the next day, I have fresh pair of eyes. Uh, looking at the problem differently and I'm much more productive when I'm in the office because I know I'm not going to be there for only certain hours and I'm, I'm much more productive uh, but I feel that um, it, it's we are leaving out a population of um, uh, our workforce who are talented and and great especially young women you know who are your know, young mothers uh, because they see leaders working visibly harder and I want to emphasize on this uh, term visibly harder is because you see them more in the office, long hours, right? So you assume, so we need more leaders um, who can portray what a leadership is because I, I have had male leaders who are very supportive. They would say, you know what, Cass, don't worry about it. You know, go home at four when you need to and take care of everything and come back. But they are there in the office till 10 o'clock in the night. So how do I feel comfortable leaving, right? Um, so I, 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 but I, I, I always think that when I went through, through the career, um, I want to be an example where I tell my team, you, it's okay for you to leave because I'm leaving, leaving too, right? At a decent time, you, let's come back and tackle the problem the next day. Everybody, it's not just women. Everybody has a, needs a work-life balance uh, to have a productive environment. Um, and that's again, uh, I think another, another trait, uh, another area that we should focus on as a collective community, I think we have an obligation to change that mindset. A hundred percent. There's a great, um, uh, I think it's Joanne, I think her last name is Griffiths, Joanna Griffiths, who's the founder of Nix, who mm -hmm. just went through a funding round and this was all over the news and, and she was very pregnant while she was going through her funding yeah. round. Yeah. And one of her things was that if people asked about how is she going to be a CEO when she's about to have a baby during this funding round that she was like, they're not they're You know, we don't want their money basically <laughs> because she's trying to flip that paradigm on its head where it's like, just, just because things don't look the way you think they should look mm -hmm. doesn't mean they can't be effective or efficient or a better way or anything else. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think women as more than men, uh, and then people of color on top of that, but women more than men are contending with a paradigm that was that, that doesn't include them. Yeah. 
and then there's layers on top of that so they're not i'm not saying that's that but like that's you know true. your first difference cultural is, society yep that's right right it there's lots of layers on top of that but it definitely starts it there's just there just gender-based and that's only two of the many genders that could be at just two mm -hmm. options and there's already a huge distance and disconnect inside of it let alone anything else that's true yeah so do you have any and I appreciate that you've been that it sounds like you've been quite lucky to have to have leaders that did their best, maybe not always perfectly, but really did their best to acknowledge that it's okay to do things differently and look mm -hmm. differently and be different. Definitely. But for someone who is, I know you do a lot of mentoring for women and, and when women come to you and they're really struggling with this and they're struggling with, I don't look the way that they think I should look or that I feel it's not even necessarily they think I don't look the way that I feel they expect me to look. I don't sound the way that I feel they expect me to sound. I don't want to work the, the I don't want to work the way that they expect me to work, i.e. long hours, i.e. in the office, whatever the case may be. What advice would you give someone who finds herself in that situation? Nice. No, I, I uh, repeatedly tell them that uh, they need to understand and feel confident about what they bring to the table. Mm. Like it is important. They need to understand that long hours doesn't equate to great leadership or productive person, right? Um, they need, and they need to see more role models like that, people who are doing that, who are practicing those. Um, and, and there are great leaders around us who have done that, like to, to your point, people who have led with uh, babies in their hand, um, right? In politics and in, and, and in IT as well. Um, so those, it is key for us to feel confident and um, it's key for um, uh, our leaders, all leaders to, to be able to support those people as well. So the, we, need, we need supporters, we need environments, which, which who, you know, environments where we accept those as uh, normalcy um, and, and embrace those people. Otherwise we are gonna lose those, um, those leaders um, they are the value they bring to the table, the thought process and whatnot. Right. And that's not the great place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, before we wrap this up, I want to ask this question and the, the answer can be no, there's no pressure, but is there anything that you want to emphasize inside of our conversation today, or that we didn't get to that you want to make sure we talk about before we wrap this up? Cause I know we've covered a lot and I, you know, I want to make sure that that you've shared whatever you felt compelled to share inside of this? Yeah, I, I just want to um, say that um, um, not um, all leaders are the same. And um, when we see uh, leaders with certain characteristics, uh, we try to emulate um, those leadership characters. And there's a, the imposter syndrome, right? And I went through that myself. Um, when I when I admire a leader, I I feel like you know I want to, and it is okay to do that. I mean, we do want to learn from others and 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 um, uh, emulate them for sure. But at the same time, um, don't lose your superpowers uh, because each one of us brings something different to the table, and it is important for us to know and be confident about the superpowers we bring, so we don't have to all. Um, you know, comply to those traditional leadership traits that we know of. Um, there is something something unique and different you bring to the table, and it is important you keep that up. 
So you don't become, uh, that doesn't mean that you don't have areas of improvement, right? Of course. Um, so we need, it's important for us to know what we are good at and what we are not so good at and work on them. Um, to me, um, just work on being a, a better version of yourself rather than trying to make somebody else um, is the thought I want to leave with. I think that's the perfect place to end. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. We're going to, for anyone who's listening, who wants to connect with Kasturi, her LinkedIn bio will be in the show notes so you can connect with her uh, and learn more about her there. Um, and I thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate you sharing your experience and your lens on this. It's extraordinarily valuable and I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you for the opportunity and I enjoyed the whole thing. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on the Leading Through Crisis podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a minute to rate and review us on your podcast app. If you're interested in learning more about any of our guests, you can find us online at www.leadingthroughcrisis.ca.